looking at the number one California, here we come Right back where we started from Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton Driving down the 101 California, here we come Right back where we started from California Welcome to the OCD, bitch The show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode Look at the seminal and underrated primetime soap opera of the early aughts The O.C. I'm your host as always, Mike, and with me is double always, Ryan. Is tonight the Malpasode? Is that what we're doing? No, buddy, that was so long ago. That's so that that's when things were just fun and light and, and Hold on, asshole. We are just coming off the Rager Part three. So I feel like that if the Rager gets three parts, then the Malpasode can have a third part here. A third part should we just talk about like what was your favorite part you sort of remember from the Malpasode? Does it already feel like we're so far removed from the Malpasode? Like the fun times are done and like we're just it, going to hell it, now. It really does feel like that is a different show because things were just allowed to be fun and hockey filled, and now everybody is about to be miserable or is miserable. Mike, that was not yet four episodes of the OC ago, and that was not yet but seventeen episodes of the OCD ago. It and it, maybe that's why we slow down so much because it's it's hard. We want to remember the good times, and murder is on the line for every character. And now I'm convinced every character on this show might murder another character on this show. I'll do a movie hop. Like, I'll watch five movies in a day at a theater, like, uh, skipping from one theater to the next, because movies are fucking bullshit, and they don't, like, they don't really do anything for me. There's no emotion there. Mm-hmm. Sure. But when you watch a really important episode of The O.C., you got to take three to four weeks off and just settle in, like, deep breaths and let it sink in. Maybe watch it every other day. See if you're getting all the nuances. Did you know before Hulu, Hulu, when this was just on Fox, uh, they would just pump out one episode of the OC per week and give no breathing time whatsoever? No breathing time? Just one a week? And then you just have to wait? Yeah. See, now we are responsible adults. They're, they're like handing us the full pack of cigarettes. Dumb kids are going to smoke them at once. We're like, no, 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 no. Give me a month. After a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday night, whatever night the OC was on, I would call in sick to work and I would be like, hey, I need a week off. I need to fucking like bring myself back together because I think that another episode of the OC is coming on next week and I have to be ready for that. You would just gnaw on your knuckles and stare at the drywall and think about the shenanigans these characters are up to. Do you miss at your very advanced age having jobs where you could just call in and you'd be like, uh, I'm not coming in for the worst excuse ever. And they'd be like, oh, good. I'm glad that you're not coming in because you're a yeah. terrible employee. And then everything was fine. Everything was. And you would hear them all high five in the background, which that seems rude. Well, I worked at a high five factory. So it, okay. that was normal for me. That's fine. I did not. I worked at a financial firm. The entire time that the <laughs> really <laughs> I don't know what those two words mean, man. What was the uh the Vin Diesel starring uh like Wall Street Junior movie that came Boiler Room. Boiler Room. Did you work at a boiler room? I w- I worked right in a boiler room. Where uh we're not going to bring in uh that one actor Alec Baldwin cuz we have this generation's Alec Baldwin. Ben Affleck get in here ben and Affleck. you do your speech, bro. My manager was Stephen Baldwin. I didn't even get Ben Affleck. It was Stephen Baldwin and Casey Affleck. You worked at a knockoff boiler room. Yeah. It was a furnace room. Do you have this sort of job now as a professional podcaster where like you call in sick and the whole factory shuts down? The whole factory doesn't shut down, but it is. It's weird. Only I have like I call in sick. You can't do the OCD. Like, you just have to wait, and I'm the only person with my job at my work, because they're dumb. All right, listeners, I'm going to uh, go back to a time a couple weeks ago where we we were doing uh, Best of 2019, where uh, 
people like Cassie and McKenna were on and Caitlin were on and uh, they were on there and they were pretty good. And then I want to take you back to like 50 OCDs ago where Caitlin and Cassie were on and Mike called in sick for like six months straight. And we fucking did the best episodes of the OCD that ever existed. I don't remember this and I refuse to learn. Does that hurt? Like you are. Uh, Wait, that means do I? I think they can't do my job when I call in sick at work, but they are doing it better and just not telling me. It's weird for you because you are a you're the host of the OCD, right? Mm-hmm. And you're also co-executive producer of the OCD. And so you're in whatever country that you think that you think uh, should have you there, whatever country you deign to go to, listening to the OCD and hearing me, Caitlin and Cassie kill it. And as executive producer, you're like, oh, I'm so glad this is a great episode. What like what overrules the executive producer or the host? If I didn't have borderline personality disorder before, that really like two sides fighting every time I listen to an episode. Just like blood weeping out of one eye, tears of joy out of the other. <laughs> is that what most countries think of Americans? Is just different yeah, types of tears do. all I the time? I changed the stereotype. They are weepy bitches. That's what they say about us, but it is creepy. It's not okay to look at. And when you finally came back stateside, I call it the states, you know? The states. Yeah, like we're in the states right now. Uh, were you bummed because it was just me and you, or because you didn't get to do any Caitlin and Cassie shows? I would love for you to go on a six month vacation. I'm never gonna do I that. Lo- I'm never <laughs> gonna do that. You never leave. You never leave your little ten by ten house at Burbank. I am so, and this is not about us. This is about the characters that are in the OC. This is not about us. But I am so broken as a person that if you were on a show with Caitlin and Cassie and they said something that made you go, <laughs> like not even a full laugh, just like a weak little tiny laugh. I would fucking, I, I don't know. You'd burn the house I, down. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> All you know you've learned from the OC, so you just do things from that. You'd either punch me into the sand or burn the house I was in down. And all of that makes me more of a Ryan Atwood than a Seth, right? Like, I'm clearly so. so much more of a Ryan. That's clear you're Ryan Atwood. I would cry and run away to a different city, which is what I did last summer. You told me we had a move recording date once, and I bailed for six months. Here's the thing. Do you, do you know why you're a piece of shit? I, I mean, I do, but I'd love to figure out what you think. Okay, I have a hundred reasons, but do you want to know the reason that I'm particularly thinking of right now? Yeah. It's because you'll listen to an episode of the OCD or, I don't know if people know about this, the Superhero Hour Hour, the other show that we have been on, or the Superhero Show Show, as or, it's called, Um, and you will not be on it, and then you'll listen to it, and then not only will you listen to it, but then you will compliment the people on it. Yeah, and that's why I'm a piece of that shit. That makes you a dirty fucking Italian idiot Irish asshole. It is crazy out of the wide network of uh, your pop filter family we have. Nobody else does that. I, I didn't realize I was an asshole. I always thought everybody else was the asshole, but I guess I'm a dirty Italian. What did you call me? <laughs> dirty Italian Irish asshole. I thought that the whole thing when you get a new job and you are new to the pop filter family, you're the you're the rookie, right? You're just coming in, mm-hmm. uh, is to not stand out. But you decided to stand out by saying, "Hey, with compliments, good show. I thought you did a good job and you said some funny things." And I always mean it. That's what hurts. That's what really hurts. It's real. I There's times I listen and don't say anything. I wonder if people notice that. All right. Let's get to our new segment real quick. Here we go. Funny things that Ryan has said in the episode so far. Mike, we're going to you. Uh, you dirty, idiot, Irish asshole, cleaned butthole. I don't... That was probably pretty good. Uh, was not that funny. And also, it's funny, not racist. You picked out the... Tonight on the OC... Ryan is racist, but Sandy, Ryan, and Seth devise a plan to save Trey from going to jail after he takes the fall for supplying drugs at his own birthday party. 
Kirsten and Carter fulfilling more than their editorial duties, take a trip to Featherbrook's Winery for a wine-tasting party. Meanwhile, Caleb returns home for no- from another long business trip and questions his, mari- his marriage with Julie. All that and more on tonight's The O.C.D. Ryan, in the breakfast nook, neither Ryan nor Seth can eat. Seth states, all you did was give him a chance. You, you, you believed in him, and uh, anything he did was on him. And Ryan looks at him very sadly and goes, I don't think he did it. He's finally come around on his big brother. Well, he's finally come around on why his brother is a piece of shit, which is all of these hundred reasons, just not this one specific reason. Because mm-hmm. he said he was about to do the same thing. Yes, because Atwood's gotta Atwood, my friend. Must be in that DNA, saving the compulsive need to save Marissa Cooper. <laughs> not women or humans, Marissa Specifically Cooper. Specifically Marissa. Uh, Sandy brings Trey home from, from the jailhouse rock, and I think grabs a coffee cup from Seth or Ryan, because he doesn't brew new coffee. He just hands Trey a half a cup of coffee. And he's like, this is going to be hard for all of us. Some dirty Mick lawyers, <laughs> your guy who's going after you. Some dirty Mick lawyer. Uh, and Sandy's like, look, this weekend it's all about Trey's case. Kirsten, I can't go to Santa Barbara with you, Carter, and Aaron anymore. Just go with them. And... Uh, Carter jumps in and he's like, hey, hi ho neighbor Roonies. Is this the uh, breakfast nook? How are you? Aaron, for some reason, told me it wasn't going to work out after not calling me back for a week, just went, nope. And then Kirsten's like, oh, man, I didn't want to be a third wheel, but I guess, like, just the two of us go now, maybe? Well, and that makes sense, too. And, like, I understand that, like, Kirsten sabotaged that, but, like, Aaron, Carter, Aaron Carter, you can't have your fucking ship name be Aaron Carter. Nobody wants to hang out with Aaron Carter. Don't not even his brother Nick Carter. <laughs> you cannot have a uh, like a sibling of a Backstreet Boy that is worse than the actual Backstreet Boy. And Aaron Carter found a way, so that cannot be a relationship name. He found a way with pop music, and then went off the deep end. I think he was an Alex Max sex cult. I think he's a flat earther. He has face tattoos now. Like it's sad and real. But his face tattoo just says face tattoo. And what was his big hit? It was like. Ain't no party. Aaron's party, gonna come and get it. Yeah, it was about a party, and it was like, there's no party unless liquor maids are happening. And I don't even know what type of maids he's happy like going for. Never lick your maid. That's sexual harassment. Hashtag times up. Hashtag me's too. Oh, were you the sort of liquor maid kid who would just eat the stick and then finger your way through the rest of the packets? I did it opposite. I shove all the packet right in, and then cough, and then shove the powder down my throat with the stick. And then swallow the stick hole to get rid of the evidence. I love choreographed food eating. Like, get away from me. I have to do this all at the right moment. Otherwise, I do not get the perfect impact of Licka Made. And I would stand in the corner of Blair Witch style. Because I knew what I was doing was gross. I didn't want anybody to see it. I also love how, like, all candies and shit has, like, all of the grape is gross and all the strawberry is gross. great for all candies. Uh, but Licka Made's like, no, we're all equally terrible we're the whole way down. It. Out of all the powdered candies, what was your favorite? Cocaine. There, yeah, there's there's cocaine. Uh, all the kids love it. Lickin' Maids, Raven's Revenge, uh, others probably. Mm. Did you like Raven's Revenge as test tube I, kid crack? I don't know what Raven's Revenge is. When I was a kid, I did cocaine. And when that was unavailable, uh, I smashed up Adderall and then sold it to a cocaine dealer so I could get some fucking cocaine. Give me that cocaine. God damn, you're a cool kid. Uh, Julie is coming speaking of cocaine, comes home, and she is super mellow about Marissa's giant blowout. 
she says, it's not your fault. These things happen. She's just like, chill as shit. And Marissa's like, what's wrong? And she's like, well, Caleb's coming home and I'm planning a very special welcome. Couple of things, Marissa, real quick. One, you haven't fucked up. You only fucked up the house once in the last two months. And that's pretty good for you. That's pretty good. No patio furniture went into the pool. Two, I don't have time for this. I have to fully admit to my 16-year-old daughter that I am a whore. So yeah. uh, what I'm going to do is go upstairs and lay in a bed. And so I do not give a shit what you're doing here, girl. <laughs> Marissa says, gross. And Julie's like, yeah, well, you know, the personal sacrifices I have to make for this family. And then when Marissa leaves that conversation, she's like, I guess you can make all the personal sacrifices you want. And then in the director's cut, it was just uh, Caleb's nuts in Julie's mouth. And she just beat them back and slap, forth. like a, slap, yeah. slap. I love the cut back and forth of the breakfast nook of the Coens compared to the Coopers. Like, that is very it's different dark. talks. It's dark stuff over at the Cooper Nickel house. Sandy's always like, hey, kids, I know it's breakfast, but here's how you should be better people today. And Julie Cooper's like, hey, I'm a whore. You're a whore. Who gives a shit? Here's what you got to do to make it through the world, kid. Mom, why do you have a switchblade out? <laughs> I'm still in my pajamas. Uh, and then, so we're at school. We're going to check in on Summer and Zach. Uh, and Summer is pissed at Seth and Zach's just like oh where's Cohen Uh, and Seth interrupts them like bonding again he brings her a flower and tells her he has a bouquet but he will bring her a flower a day until she uh, takes his apology and a ticket to Death Cab show Death Cab's in town baby all right, so we have a lot of things to talk about here. Uh, first of all, Mike, we have been in a like six-episode fight of you defending Zach for being a perfect gentleman and smiler mm-hmm. and never smiles in a weird, weird way. Although uh, I think all of that is uh, coming to your bed soon. And second of all... I would love for Zach to come to my bed. Death cab. Here we go, folks. Here we go. <laughs> Josh Schwartz, creator of the show, is like, you know what? I haven't taken a fat, hot hipster dump on the show in a while. Let's uh, create a death cab show. Not at the bait shop, by the way. We don't know where it is. No, it is at the bait shop. I, th- I assume it is the bait shop. But nobody like nobody says the bait shop because that doesn't matter. No. Everyone in the world has tickets to the bait shop, and they're going to go see Death Cab, a band that I guess we've heard of. Oh, we fucking heard of, friend. And this is the title. Or, uh, fuck, no, title and registration is the song. I can't think of the... Transatlanticism is the album that Death Cab is touring on right then, and it's their fucking best. It's so good. Oh, my God. Watching this episode, I was like, all right, Ryan, you're 29 years old. It's probably time to like get into Death Cab. These fucking chubby-headed idiots. <laughs> well, that's what was so... like Emo, at this time, they were all... They took that silver chair method, and they were all just skinny as fuck. And Death Cab went, no. <laughs> no, my friend. There's such a thing as real bodies, folks. What I would have preferred is instead of emo, I would like emu, where like giant llama looking birds play these songs. <laughs> llama looking birds. Uh, Zach reigns on this parade and he's like, uh, Reed read the first draft and loved it, which I thought she had already, I guess, before the meeting. And Seth's like, great. He's like, and there's a meeting at that Death Cab show. And you can't blow it off. And Zach is delighted. Here he is openly Mr. Burnsing about ruining their plans. First of all, Reed has an ironic name. You know how like sometimes in prison the the giant people are called tiny? Reed can't uh-huh. read. And that's how she got her nickname. Uh, second of all, are we, and we have barely started talking about this episode, but are we now on my page of Zach is a fucking supervillain? I think Zach is uh, has some selfish reasons, but I still oh my god, Zach and will continue to be you white man no, 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 defending white man. 
He's wor- He's not. Seth is worse than Zach. I'm fully. We'll get into it more, but I'm fully on board. Zach is being openly selfish and doing shitty things, but I'm here for it. All right. Zach went from uh, being the Joker in the last couple of episodes to full on Cheshire Cat with a smile. Like, yeah, openly, because like he knows Summer's pissed at Seth. What like, what's anybody gonna do? And he's just like. <laughs> This is all the breakfast nook of the Cohen this house. This is all just everybody sitting around the Cohen. And Sandy's like, we don't have enough bagels. <laughs> like, you guys got to let us know when you're going to come over. Smear? Smear? Who wants a smear? Uh, Ryan, who do you want to dive into after our break? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that is such a good question. When we get back, I want to – can we do uh, – can we not Kirsten and Carter out of the way? Because they're the ones that, that makes exactly me what... the most mad. Let's dig into the Santa Barbara winery. Ryan. So as we said, uh, Aaron blew Carter off for a week and then left him a voicemail saying they should never see each other again. And Carter's like, that's so crazy. We had such good rapport. And we t- we talked about last time that uh, it was fine rapport. It was fine, but mostly they had railable bodies. But uh, because of dramatic irony, we know that the rapport was not ruined because of the way that the two of them talked to each other, but because Kirsten sent as many fucking missiles into that rapport mm-hmm. as she could. And she makes shifty eyes when Carter tells him. She's like, oh, no, what? You know how, like, we're trying to do an OCD and Greg is sitting in the corner just, like, throwing missiles at our rapport? Mm-hmm. That's what Kirsten Like, literal did. Nerf missiles. And maybe every Nerf gun made. We could have had an Aaron and Carter spitoff, right? Like, those does kids. Aaron Carter? Aaron Carter. Oh, you yeah. You know who does the theme song. <laughs> did we do this bit? <laughs> we might have done this bit. Uh, so he's like... I hate Carter. He's like, well, she, she, Kiki's like, just go up. We need the peace. And he's like, I hate drinking alone. Well, I hate drinking wine alone. And Kiki's yes. like, I hear that. <laughs> so obviously, Carter, it is alone time, drinks as much scotch and Bud Light as he can. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to wine, he needs someone. And is, is this, do, like, do, does this feel natural for Kirsten to be like, I, I I really should stop hanging out with this person. But I will also take every single opportunity to do it. I, I do think that feels natural because she knows that the, the, her true north is like, I shouldn't do any of this. And then Sandy, he's like, go to Santa Barbara, have fun. I'm going to be dealing with this case all weekend. Like, you, Trey knows you have his back. There's no reason for you to stay. I love Carter. Go drink wine. Go have fun. I'm motherfucking Sandy. You're Kirsten. Of course uh, we trust each other, and I uh, will let you do anything. Like, there's, it's not a problem at all. Like, of course, no one will ever do anything wrong. And then he turns around before he sees her Zach-like Cheshire grin. Uh, and uh, Carter rented a convertible to go up there. And we learn one of my favorite tidbits from this episode. Uh, they listen to Butt Rock or whatever Carter likes. But uh, he's like, it's too bad Sandy couldn't have come. And Kirsten's like, well, you know, it would have been torch songs and show tunes the whole way up. I can't believe we didn't know that about Sandy. Also, that's fucking great. No, hold on. We definitely knew that about Sandy. Sandy will get up on stage and sing these like slow-moving, incredibly emotional songs at any point. That's a torch song. The, yeah, like, torch song is like uh, uh, let's 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 sing slowly. It's like a ballad, but with like uh, important social points that we should make. I think that's mm. a torch song. Uh, like, or, do they even know it's Christmas? Like, do they even know it's Christmas? Or any song that you sing while you're holding a torch? Like, there's so often that I'm walking downstairs in, like, an unlit basement, and mm-hmm. I have to, I'm holding a torch, and I'm singing Blink-182's. Uh, now it's pin, a torch song. Pin the grenade, and that automatically becomes a torch song. Uh, that villager's gang rant in Beauty and the Beast, that's a torch song? That is absolutely a torch song. But Carter has a good way uh, about him of, like, uh, 
uh, Sandy, what do you think? Sandy? Do you think Sandy? And just like testing the waters at all times. And it's, it's yeah, it's it's the good on paper. Like they're both saying things. They're like, what? We're fine. But it's it's the the water testing. And so you can only point back like if Sandy had bugged the card, but like this all seems great. And I think that Sandy is a little holier than thou. I think that Sandy mm-hmm. sort of gets off on the fact that he, because there's there's multiple times in like this episode, the next episode, the last episode, where people are like, you really like you're okay with this? And he's like, well, yeah, I am. I'm Sandy Cohen. I'm okay with everything. But deep in the middle of his gut, he's like, oh my god, what did I just do? Well, yeah, yeah. It's, so they uh, do not use the spit buckets as they should. They get fucking even though they're supposed to take notes and be writing all about this, they do not. At one uh, point, the they uh, co-editors of the magazine they pick up the spit buckets, cheers them, and then chug the shit chug out of that, them. And it's the spit from every other guest there. And then the owner of the winery just high fives them and talks about her fake dead grandpa, which is a weird like through line through their whole plot. That it's like they're Colonel Sanders of this winery, and Carter's convinced he doesn't exist. Yeah, it, like it, there's multiple points in this episode where they're like, "Should we feel guilty that we're pissing wine on the grave of Native Americans?" Now, nah, fuck it, nah. let's just drink more wine. Uh, and so they are too fucked up to drive. And the winery's like, we have a guest suite. Do you want to, they don't inquire if there's two. They, they're just like, well, I guess that because it'd be a thousand dollars to take a cab back and your rental car would be stuck here. And you said, earlier you said Santa Barbara. I thought it was Temecula, but that's multiple hours, right? Like that's not like an Uber. That's a, no, that's a driver. Like what, uh, from Orange County, probably a five hour drive, four hour drive. And then your car is still left there. Yeah. You got to go pick that up later. So, like, getting a driver is a, kind of a big deal. But, yeah, there's certainly hotels. Uh, and you could get a cab to another hotel if the winery only had one honeymoon suite. But they're both like, I guess we have to. Uh, and she does call Sandy. And then Sandy's just like, yeah, drive back in the morning. I don't want either of you drive. Like, And Trey's in the car with Sandy. And he's like, I don't know a lot of men who would totally be down with their wives getting shit-faced and spending it with another rocketeer. And I love Sandy, and I, I know we're not in meta moment right now, but I love Sandy because he's like, uh, you should absolutely stay there because I've been living in a TV show long enough where if you drive home drunk, uh, you will die. And also, I have not been living in a TV show long enough to know that like you are at a hotel with a very, very handsome co-worker, and I just think that nothing will happen. Bye-bye. In his head, he's like, nothing happened with my Rachel. Nothing <laughs> will happen with your Carter. And Trey's, Trey's like, I don't know, bro. And Sandy does, like, this is the self-righteousness, because Trey's like, I don't know a lot of men who would let their wives do that. And he's like, how many men do you know have been married for 20 years? And he's like, right, but also a little douchey. But Yeah, and that it's interesting, because it's the whole YOLO argument of, like, you only live once, so does that mean that you should go and do everything, or you should actually do nothing because you only live once? Trey's like, what the fuck, man? That's crazy. And Sandy's like, no, man, you don't have any confidence. But I can also see, from Trey's perspective, Sandy, you have a little bit too much confidence. Like you're being a little cocky right now about what you think could and can ha- could not happen and in it, your relationship. It, it could be seen uh, the level of confidence that it's uh, like dismissive and not taking your partner's worth into effect. Like I, we know Sandy does like give her jewelry or whatever, but it's also maybe only on Valentine's Day. Like maybe he does get too up caught up in his social justice. Can I and doesn't can, go down on enough? That's what I'm getting at. Can we get personal here, please? So your wife, whose name is Rabinowitz, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, is in the same situation, okay? And I am her new coworker, and I look like me. Okay. And you and I have often talked about how we are the exact average of looks that have ever happened. Like, we 
score fives all the way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. Triple fives. So I am Rabinowitz's, your wife's new coworker or boss or whatever, and you have no problem. But this coworker looks like the goddamn Rocketeer. Should you take that into consideration? You know Rabinowitz loved the Rocketeer. That would freak me out a little. Does he have the helmet still? Because, like... Oh, it's he getting, only wears the helmet. The basement is getting flooded if that helmet comes out. And do do you like do you think that you're comfortable with knowing what uh, Rabinowitz's likes are in men? Yeah, and saying like this hunk over here that every girl will always love. I don't have to care, but oh my god, this guy over here, I should probably keep an eye out. Uh, yeah, it's to keep an eye out, and also like I want to know who to hire to cuck me every Valentine's Day. <laughs> so you got to know the likes. I don't know. Maybe maybe most girls aren't into Carter, but like Kirsten is so much that I well, sort of am, you know? They have a huge thing in common, which is booze. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and not doing their jobs well. They love So I get that. Uh, but like, it, it's also like my assumption, because maybe I trust Rabinowitz too much, is that if she had his, like, she was like, oh, we we're at this wine tasting, we're magazine writers. I'm like, oh, that's different than the job I thought you had. <laughs> uh, I would not assume that they were sharing a bad. And, like, I've done that in the past, and it, it, it does mean nothing, but it does, it is weird the minute you're married, you're like, I don't know, probably not share a bed. It, I, I think if Rabinowitz, if it was her best friend for years, not Jimmy Cooper, because, like, then there's different things, but if they'd been tight for 15 years, I'd be like, yeah, shit happens. But it's like, this coworker you've known for four months, I don't know if I do trust the Rocketeer. But Sandy can't stop thinking about the fact that this guy, at one point, 30 years ago, wrote mm-hmm. a zine that he that was has super to be into. Part of it, right? And he trusts Kirsten so much that, like, oh, everything will be fine. And also, one of Kirsten's problems with Sandy is that he pays not enough attention to the marriage and more attention to the children around him and all of their ins and outs. Right. So this all sort of uh, collides at one point. And, and so uh, Kiki spills wine all over Carter. Like, they are drunk enough that I think she can't open the next bottle of wine. Like, spill, ruins his shirt. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to hop in the shower. And then she is apparently turned on by, like, the wet mop head hair, him in a robe. It is the least attractive he's looked on this show. Appa- oh, are you serious? Apparently, that he is just smoking hot, in heat, ready for sex, all girls welcome. I can't believe what you're saying right now. The thing that he does in this scene that I, I, I hope is fully TV and not real life is that, oh, I should take a shower. And then not after the bathroom door closes, but way before – takes off his shirt. Man, take four more steps into the bathroom no. and then get naked. But no. if you want other things to happen than just the shower, you start you undressing before you hit the shower. Because it's, it's all the little faints, all the little reposes and parries. Like, hey, like I'm just saying, well, I'm being a normal person. I'm just putting enough out there. But while he's in the shower, the woman who's like, we have a free guest suite, was like, we found a car. And Kirsten's like, I don't think we need it. And then Carter comes out of the shower and is like, maybe you need to shower, you stinky little beast. And then she's like, they found a car. We should go home. Like, she, all of that, like, hits her hard. Do you think Carter came on too strong and that's what convinced Kirsten? Because I, I got to say that, like, Carter did not do the thing like, hey, I'm drunk and white and male. I'm going to jump on you and hopefully this right. works out for me. He was like, I found a robe. Would you like to find a robe? Which does give Kirsten every out possible. But yeah. Kirsten's like... They found a car for us. I do want to go home. Hopefully, we won't run into this exact situation in the next episode. I can't see how we could, having learned from this one then. And they leave the winery, never thinking about it again, never making a mistake. But who picked up Carter's convertible, rented convertible? 
He rented a 1950s convertible. And like, I get that Kirsten is hugely wealthy. I, as a freelance magazine editor, Carter is not. So like, he needs that deposit back, bro. The other thing too is that uh, he had to spend thousands of dollars because every time he puts the car uh, roof down on his convertible, his Rocketeer helmet flies right off. Mm-hmm. You can't go back for that. You just put a new one on. He yeah. put 50 new Rocketeer helmets on his head. And just get a helmet with a strap, man. That's There's so straps nice. that exist. That's why straps exist. You know, you think you look cool because the leather straps are flat. You look like an idiot. You know what's cool? Brain safety. Idiot. But I'm too steamed up, Ryan. We got to move on. Ryan. Yeah. Shit. Yes. What? Jesus. You looked a little sleepy. Uh, Seth and Zach go to this meeting, presumably in L.A., uh, the same night, uh, Death Cab. And he's like, can we get through these notes as quick as possible? Like, a huge professional opportunity is in his lap. And he's just like, no, move, 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 move. I don't care about this. This is one of Seth's biggest problems is whatever is in his lap easily, he fucking hates it, even if it's what he was after his whole life. I feel like that this is a this is the type of thing that the show has shown multiple times but never solved. Right? There's no arc here. We have established that Seth hates what is easy to him, but he does not arc. Right. Maybe this is this is a conversation for like later on when we're done with all four seasons. But like the like anything that is like there for Seth, even though he loves it, the fact that it's there for him, he fucking hates. And the show doesn't comment on it. Atwood is never like, "Hey, bro, have you noticed how if it's in your hands, you don't want it?" Any-? Like. I feel like if, if one of us had a, a repetitive flaw, the other one would point it out eventually. Yeah, do you think Let's so? Let's not do that right <laughs> now on air. But so Seth and Zach are in this meeting. Uh, and Zach at this point also seems like he doesn't really want the comic to go forward. He's just using it to be diabolical. Uh, and they love Reed. Reed is still there. But so is this like turtlenecked LA fuck uh, who's apparently just a marketer. And after reading a rough draft, of a comic book no, no pictures yet or maybe some loose pictures he has a lot of thoughts including uh he doesn't think kids in the heartland would understand the world so there are uh, so many josh schwartz moments in this show every time that you see a water polo guy be kind of a dick that's a josh schwartz moment every time the camera's on rachel bilson that's, that's a, a josh, schwartz, josh moment. schwartz moment uh but also i can definitely see how he initially josh schwartz initially met a reed type it mm-hmm. was like oh yeah, let's do a show. And then met a nonstop barrage of mm-hmm. Turtleneck Guy. And Turtleneck Guy is, I'm going to say no redeeming qualities. No. Is, is only Hollywood barfing Hollywood the entire time, right? Yeah, and, and Seth isn't like taking the notes or like he or standing up strongly. He's just like mumbling things like, well, I thought the location was the backbone, which also seems like Josh Schwartz mumbled that at a Hollywood guy in a meeting. And I would say that this is the weak link of the episode is that uh, – Seth is running back and forth between what impresses him and what would Summer be impressed by. Right. And there's no really direct link. It's just him running back and forth the entire time. And he does a poor job. I guess he's 16, but he does a poor job at explaining how important this is to Summer or how important this is to Seth. I bet if he was like, I can't because I am a high school kid, so I can't do tonight. It's a Monday night. Reed would be like, oh, yeah, man, tomorrow night. Uh, that, yeah, that's another thing is that Zach is like, you can't do tonight. If you don't do tonight, then you will blow your entire career forever. It, it, tomorrow night's fine. Tomorrow night is, yeah. is going to be fine. Uh, another thing this Hollywood guy says is the ironist might be a little too cerebral. And, and Reed, who oozed over the ironist last episode, is now like, yeah, probably. 
Like, she's too beholden to Turtleneck. <laughs> she is too beholden to Turtleneck. Maybe Reed is the worst character of the entire show. But they go back and forth, and uh, the Turtleneck comes in, and is just like, we all care about art, and we all care about uh, what we think is marketable, I guess, and we want the, like, the perfect collision of those two things. But this guy's very clearly, you know, uh, Atomic County has not come out yet, but I see... I see crossovers with the Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, cereals. We have, maybe we can have socks. We can make uh, Atomic County socks that you wear on your head. How about that? You wear socks on your head, and nobody's telling them to shut up. They're all just like eating it up like it was some sort of Atomic County breakfast cereal. Uh, so Zach. Uh, so there's this big party. Reads like there's so many more people from each like faction of the marketing you need to meet, and he's like, I can't. There's summer. Uh, and Zach's like, bring her to the party, include her in all of this, but now just never dropping the smirk. It's weird that Seth has these blinders on. Like, Zach is not trying to hide what he's doing anymore. What the show has not done is, uh, like, ever hide the fact that Seth is all of the artistic integrity and artisticness of the comic book. Yeah. I'm sort of losing what Zach brings to the table, except for the fact that, like, he super talked Seth into this just to get Summer back. And I feel like that we could have seen that. With the smiles that he's had over the last three episodes, but somebody refused to look at the smiles. But now the smiles are there, and I see them. And is this, is this the point when Seth, he leaves this meeting and goes and misses Death Cab? Yes. The, yeah. Like, and this so, is- and, like, they, they finished playing their last three chords, and he's just like, oh, how did I miss it? I'm just impressed he made it from L.A. to Orange County that quickly. That is pretty cool. Uh, in this show, traffic is like there's a whole lane of the freeway where you're like, "Hey, I'm on a show. I gotta save my girlfriend. I have to go to a hopefully to get a to different a show's not trying to do that too, because then you'll run into traffic." And the cops pull so many people over that like they try to make it look like they were going to a show, but they had no show to go yeah, to. No yeah. show. So the next night, uh, they're going to this big LA party. Uh, Seth, not learning any lessons ever lied to Summer and said, hey, I'm taking you to an apology dinner in L.A. And then when they get out of the car to the party, she's like, I can't believe you would lie about an apology dinner to take me some to something that would make me even madder than I have been before. He is digging his grave. I just, he thinks that, Summer, when you see all of these comic book people talk about how wonderful I am, you'll understand all of the things that I've done. And Summer, the entire time, Rightfully or wrongfully is like, I don't give a shit about any of this, dude. And because he also doesn't like, he doesn't really try to pull her and he doesn't, again, ever tell her how important this is to her. And this is where they do like a circle pitch of what they could do with Atomic County. Nobody trying to meet Summer, talk to Summer. And superhero shit wasn't that big here. And they're doing like multimedia franchises, including like a Roger Rabbit style. Because they're like in a TV show and he's like animated or live action. They're like both. Like, no, no, nobody's going to Roger Rabbit this shit. What hits here hard, too, is that I, I bet that the first time I watched it, I was like, Summer, you dumb bitch, support him because he's, like, living his dream. And then now, 20 years later, and being married to a person who is much better than me, he's clearly saying, hey, prop. Yeah. You are my prop. Can you just be my prop? And if you're upset, that's weird. I don't know why you would be because you're just my prop. What, what do you think Reed is doing here? Because th- th- this is happening, and she sees Summer getting upset, and Reed does like a Zach-like smirk and says, toast to Seth and a subversive vision. I don't know what's subversive about this comic. And the Little Miss Vixen that inspired it all and gives her like a wicked smile. I think that Reed, I don't know. I'm not reading Reed smiles as much as I am Zach smiles. I think that Reed is trying to 
protect her job. And what's weird about her job is that sometimes you have to like act like you're hanging out with people and that you're friends and children. And yeah, they are not 18. And that is, that is weird. But I think that Reed is doing an okay job and trying to maybe like say like, you know what, if I do this, if I do a, then maybe B will equal C and C will inspire the creator that I'm working with to do mm-hmm. two good stuff. But I don't know. I don't like, this is not a Reed issue. This is a Seth and Zach issue. For sure. There's just that weird moment. Her face when she made eye contact with Summer seemed like a big dick swing. It did not seem like she meant it. Or all characters on the OC realize that at some point you're on the OC and just smile at everyone you can because that's going <laughs> to just make it in the camera. But there's like a real smile and then there's like, I'm trying to be Jim Carrey as the Grinch smile. We're like, show no teeth, but wrinkle your face as much as you can. It's creepy. And then Zach does the biggest Cheshire cat as he takes Summer home. Cackling. Just like laughing. Screaming, I'm going to fuck your girlfriend in a sing-song manner. But no, like, we have been rooting against vanilla-ass Zach for so long. And now he knows, I'm the bad guy. I don't care. And he's just going to grab a broom and fly away on it. And I love it. He quotes Idris Elba from Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs vs. Shaw and says, I'm the bad guy. And then takes Summer by the hand and goes... Uh, I heard it. I heard it differently. I heard him say, "I'm Idris Elba," and then flew away. And that's no. In 2004, it's like I guess you know the wire. So Zach is just really ahead of the curve here. Uh, Ryan, that is all the time we have. No, come on, no, dude. We have so much more to talk about. I hate to be the Idris Elba here, but we have to end the show. Uh, I guess next week we will be talking about uh, who will we be talking about? The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew on their little detective mission. Yeah, we have to talk about Caleb and Julie. We did not mention Julie once. Oh, man. But until then, I want to say thank you to the Holophonics. Thank you to yourpopfilter.com or yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon or patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Always, you can help and support us. Ryan, what else should they be listening to if they're sick of the OCD? If you are tired of rewatching the OC, make sure that you're watching every single comic book TV show that comes out every week and listening to the superhero show show subscribe rate and review that motherfucker and then also if you're like hey how come there's no people talking about movies in podcasts (laughs) movie of the year there are rate and review that whatever your podcatcher is or go to i'm so sorry mike what is it called rate this pod.com slash superhero there that that's the way that you can get all of your ratings to us we appreciate it uh hit us up on social media at your pop filter on everything Email us, contact at yourpopfilter.com if you think we're insane and Zach is still the white knight uh, and you're pro-Zach and you want a Zach spinoff. Pro-Zach. That's what we should all be on. Pro-Zach. Until next week, I would like you, dads, could you stay gay? And also, while you're at it, get me those Green Lantern JPEGs, Latro. California. Yeah.